Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and this is Intimate Personal Conversations with the industry's biggest names. Our guest is one of our few returning guests now, Wesley Taylor, who was one of the very, very first episodes that I ever put out. He was originally episode three, which as I uh, bring up in the episode, came out in November 2018, right when this was just a little baby podcast. I can't believe so much has changed in five years since I've last spoken to him uh, in a recorded way. Um, And gosh, it was really cool because in that first episode, five years ago, uh, he said, yeah, maybe I'll start taking myself seriously as a writer. I think I think I need to do that now. And then now we're here talking about his brand new movie that he co-wrote and co-directed called Summoning Sylvia, which is just this amazingly fun uh, horror comedy celebrating queer culture and, em- and, and teaching us just to embrace everything about ourselves and and who we are it's this amazing movie that he and alex wise is co his writing partner on on so many things now uh he the two of them put together so cannot wait to share this one with you make sure that you go and stream summoning sylvia everywhere you find your streaming films and everybody now please enjoy this episode with wesley taylor Today's guest is a Theater World Award winner, Cheetah Rivera Award winner, and Outex, Outer, Outex, Outex Critics, Outer Critics Circle Award nominee. He made his Broadway debut in the original cast of Rock of Ages before starring opposite Nathan Lane and B.B. Newirth in the original cast of Broadway's The Addams Family. Then he originated the role of Sheldon J. Plankton in SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical before it was filmed for Nickelodeon as the SpongeBob Musical live on stage. All right, here we go. We got another paragraph. He has additional credits in television and film that include The Good Wife, The Tomorrow People, and fan favorite Bobby on NBC Smash. He's co-created and starred in three original digital series, the latest being the Emmy-nominated Indoor Boys with Alex Wise. He will appear in Only Murders in the Building, season three, dropping this fall, and he and Alex just made their feature film debut as writers, directors, writers and directors, in Summoning Sylvia, a, a new movie that is out now in a, it, for a limited theatrical release and available to stream. Uh, Wesley Taylor, oh my gosh, welcome back to the theater <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and I want to say welcome back and thank you because you were episode three of the theater podcast. No way. Yes. Do you remember? It was the episode. I don't remember when we actually recorded, but it was November 5th, 2018 that our first episode came out. Whoa. Right. Right. So first off, big thank you because out of the blue, I just texted you and I'm like, I'm doing this crazy ass thing called a podcast. Do you want to be a guest? You're like, sure. I don't know anything about it because yeah. nothing had been released yet so you were one of the first to just like put yourself out there and be a guest on what could have been a horrible train wreck and maybe still is i don't know jury's out on that one yeah but thank you, know, you for for saying yes of course i mean and and kind of at the beginning of the podcast explosion right right 
Right. Um, no, I'm a fan of the show, and thank you for having me and um, and for uh, helping us promote this this movie. Dude, the movie Summoning Sylvia. It's so funny, and thank you. It, I, like I was laughing and I was jumping. Right. I'm like, I'm watching it in bed at night. The cast, it's like, you've got Travis Coles, Michael Urie, Frankie Grande, Troy Awada, Noah J. Ricketts, uh, Noah Ricketts, Vian Cox. Noah J. Ricketts, is that his middle name? Noah J. Ricketts, yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And like, just this theatrical uh, uh, love cast. Yes. But but nothing about it is theater. Nothing about this show is theater. But no. Uh, there are times when it it feels theatrical and exp- and it's it's about expression and owning your self expression and stuff. So so it does lend itself to I think theatrical energy. Well, I want to uh, dive. Okay, let's dive straight into that because between 2018 and now 2023, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you you've done quite a bit. And it was interesting because I went back and listened to our our first episode. And you were like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this writing thing. And I've started to take myself seriously. And, you know, I'm just doing... Is that how I sounded? Yeah, yeah. Basically, that's my... my Very serious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just totally going to take myself. (laughs) And, and, but now, like, five years, which is, I don't think, all that long in this industry. Like, look back at 2018 when, when, like, SpongeBob had just closed and... Indoor Boys was starting to pick up steam. And mm-hmm. like, where did Summoning Sylvia come from? Were you already writing this at that time? We had a whole pandemic in the middle. Like, where do you want to start with this? Uh, sure. So uh, at the end of season three of Indoor Boys, Alex and I wanted to sort of put that world on pause and and graduate into feature length things, uh, whether that be a play or a, a film or series or, or whatnot we wanted to like start writing longer content rather than the bite-sized 10 minute episodes and um and so we we started writing a screenplay um and then when the pandemic hit uh you know it was sort of a blessing in disguise because we were able to put our acting careers which were on hold you know on the back burner usually the writing was on the back burner so suddenly during the pandemic alex and i are getting on zoom every day for five hours and writing and wow. it's a, a, a time of complete creative output we just generated uh, we were able to be very productive um which was our silver lining of the pandemic and we churned out like three full-length scripts by the end of our our time away from new york city um or i was away from new york he was in the upper west side the whole time but uh, yeah, we just, we worked on Zoom every day and we had a movie that got a production company and we were sort of in the process of attaching talent to secure financing. And we were getting, re- uh, we were getting really frustrated with how long uh, development takes yeah. and, and how long it was taking to um, attach high profile ta- talent to get, to get the money we needed. And so in the meantime, we were like, well, why don't we just write another like sort of indie script a la indoor boys that we can make for maybe a hundred K and like under the radar cast or something. Let, let's just do our own thing. So we don't, you know, we're not just sitting here and twiddling our thumbs. So we did, and we did a first draft reading on zoom and invited a certain investor. And then uh, after, after that we were off to the races um, because we went over the investor and then it was easier to raise the rest of the money. And then, the, sh- the, sh- the train had less- left the station. So we were suddenly in pre-production for that film and that sort of jumped in line ahead of the other film. Uh, 
so yeah, that's that's how and and the budget got bigger and the you know the ambitions got bigger and and here we are. Well, the the like if I didn't know that it was um and I don't know if this is kind of going to come out offensive. I don't know. There's different tiers of of budgets, right? If sure. I did not know that it was like just a a, a ground up like what am I saying? Grassroots kind of effort. Yeah. I would think like this came out of a big studio because it was just Thank done you. so well. The the everything looks one hundred and fifty million percent professional, and again the cast gels incredibly. I Travis Coles doesn't have any Broadway credits that I could find. Yeah, he's the one that isn't from I guess the theater world that we knew of. He he so really good. came from LA. Yeah, yeah, he's really funny. God. He's really funny. But I want to I want to dive into the story of Summoning Sylvia though mm-hmm. because it's a comedy and it, it, there's there's the horror uh, aspect mm-hmm. to it. It makes you jump and and but it also makes you think and there is uh, like you said it's about owning your story and it's it's a it's just uh, I guess a a really subtle way of um of giving a giant nod to the queer community and owning who you are and being okay with that these days, which is something we really, really need. And yeah. I mean, did you and Alex sort of tackle this story um, with this intention in mind or did it come out of like, like what's the yeah. pitch? How do you guys even well, pitch to each other? Well, first of all, Indoor Boys that we worked on for three years together and we were the leads of that and we were writing it and directing it, you know, it, Indoor Boys was something that was really um, self-confronting for us sometimes because we would be editing and we would be de-essifying sibilant S's in our style, <laughs> which, was a, which was a very interesting confrontation of like what, what, self-loathing or, or sort of the, the internalized homophobia that we carry with us because of society. And it was a very conscious choice to call our movie Summoning Sylvia Hmm. because we didn't want to shy away from that sibilant S. We want to own it. And that's what the movie is about, is owning it, owning yourself and your expression and your truth and uh, the way you relate. It's it's really queer friendship. Um, And, you know, a lot of the times the gay character is the outsider in, in the worlds that they are in. And, and in our story, the, the straight guy is the outsider, um, which we find really interesting. Um, the movie is largely about assumptions, you know, the yeah. assumptions we make about each other and how dangerous that can be. Um, so I think, you know, also with everything going on right now in the conversation surrounding drag and, mm, yeah. and owning it, um, I think we're really proud of of what you kind of walk away with them uh, talking about with this movie. Well, don't go see a drag show; it will turn you straight. No. Yeah, it's really no. it's really dangerous and violent for children. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so stupid. Um, it it I, I feel like you and Alex, and maybe you and your friend group, uh, your close friends, have conversations on a, on a different plane, on a different level. Then your average, like, yeah, my friends are like, what show should we see? Or what should we have for lunch? And you and Alex text each other and you're like, how should we change the world today? <laughs> no. <laughs> we also ask, what are we having for lunch? So just, you know. Um, but no, thank you. I mean, we it, it's important to us that our movie has a little bit of social commentary. You know, Get Out was a big inspiration for us. Um, and we're like, what is that? What is the gay version of that? You know, and 
obviously we want to continue to tell stories about gay characters that are not about uh, illness and death and persecution and coming out. Um, we've seen enough of that. Yeah. Uh, and it's important to see that, but it's also important to see gay characters thrive. Yeah. And, um, um, that was a big thing for this movie is, is making sure that our, our characters thrived. It was, it was interesting to me that Michael Yuri, uh, sorry, not um, Michael Yuri. I love Michael Yuri. Uh, <laughs> in your movie, Michael Yuri. Brandon Uranowitz, when I was interviewing him for Burn This. Yeah. And um, he was like, this is the first time in my career. He's been doing this for decades, right? He said, this is the first time in my career I've played an openly gay character where being gay was not part of the plot. Mm, yeah. I said, and, yeah. and that just was like, as a hetero white cis man right i'm that stuff doesn't occur to me as often as it should of course and it, that moment right there made me realize that start noticing all of these characters and all of these shows and i and it's a trope it's a freaking trope that i'm tired of i really am mm -hmm. i'm really tired of like oh there's a the character he's got to be the silly one he's going to show mm -hmm. up in drag that's what that's what they always do that's just that's ridiculous. And so to have a story, I love these these stories, like Summoning Sylvia, that, like the underlying through line. Yeah, the, the through line is in this movie that you and Alex have brilliantly written. I can't say enough good things about it. It's, it's friendship and it's bonding. And yeah. it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. And the outsider, I don't want to give away spoilers, the outsider at the end is wrapped into all of this. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's, it's just phenomenal the way that you two have written this and brought it to the screen in a way where it doesn't hit you over the head with it but you walk away maybe unconsciously possibly unconsciously saying like oh yeah that's normal and because it is yeah i i really appreciate you saying all of that and something that's been exciting for us is that we have done some test screenings of this movie with different demographics and uh we <laughs> largely feel like it's very received it's received very well by straight people um, <laughs> which is uh, i'm like a little nervous about about the gay community just because you know in our canon a lot of the gay horror you know that you've seen is thirsty it's fleshy it's shower scenes it's slitting throats it's you know pulp it's you know and that's not what this movie is um for the most part it's 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 more verbal wordplay than visual feast uh, in terms of flesh, I, I, I guess. Um, but I don't know. Um, I hope it resonates in the way that we intended. Um, but you know, we have to sort of let go now and let whatever happens happens. Well, you know? I think it's great. And um, where can we stream it now? Uh, right. So April seventh, uh, you can purchase uh, rent uh, this film on demand wherever you can find it on demand so that means amazon prime and voodoo and all those places you go to rent god everybody needs to see it it's it's just so good actually oh well maybe i won't go on into something else because i want to keep talking about frankie grande um, <laughs> <laughs> i mean who doesn't right i love frankie did Obsessed. you were you part of the casting process or did you like kind of leave that over to your casting director and, and yeah no we definitely we definitely had a casting director, Stephen Tyler O'Connor, who's who's great, um, but we were very much, very much involved in the casting process. Very important to us. And there, there's different, I guess, um, uh, Frankie is the most extreme mm -hmm. of, of, of just being outside of the box, right? And the witchiest of them all. The witchiest, yes. Yeah, so that's a good way of saying it. Um, 
And did you have him in mind when you were writing this? Do you have anybody yeah. in mind when you're writing these characters? We we wrote it for Frankie. Did you really? Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause so Frankie perfect. had done um, a small character in our, our digital series, Indoor Boys. And he, um, he was someone who we, he didn't know very well. I knew a little bit because he closed Rock of Ages in the role that I originated. And so there was a special connection there and, and we bonded over that. But, you know, Alex and I were living in LA and, and starting this digital show and we wrote this character and we took a, a risk. You know, I didn't really know his work. Um, and Frankie not only was incredible in that in that role, but he just blew us away with his, I don't know, his, his kindness, his generosity, his collaboration, his humility. Uh, and we sort of fell in love with him over the span of three seasons of that web series. And so then when we are uh, writing this script, we specifically wrote a role for him because we were so enamored and he jumped at it. Yeah, he's perfect for it. I mean, everybody was perfect for it. I can't imagine anybody else in those roles. Yeah, no. That was the only one that we were like, we that's that's Frankie's part. Um, there were other roles that we were had faces in our head, but we were flexible. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Did Michael Yuri ever have a scene with anybody else? Because they Other, no. Because it, it, even even the final scene, I'm, I don't want I don't want to give away too many spoilers. The final scene, he he could have been cut in without anybody else on set. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, Michael is very busy. Yes, you know? he is. He's a very fancy, busy guy. So yes, um, uh, we shot him out quickly. Yes. Uh, oh, amazing. And speaking of fancy, uh, amazing people, um, do you have Meryl Streep on speed dial now? <laughs> I wish. I wish. Yesterday when I posted that video uh, of us, dancing to a chorus line together from only murders in the building backstage yes yes yes, yes. so um before i posted that i needed her consent obviously and so i what's even better than the video is the 10 minutes i spent in her dressing room asking for permission and then us chatting i mean like that's the part that i'm like still going over in my head every moment with meryl on set is mostly probably innocuous to her and she forgets about it as soon as she leaves me but i'm like replaying it over and over in my head it's just a a a dream a dream i I love the the theatrical crossover in with only murders um i mean again martin short marty short and the and uh selena gomez and everybody like ali stroke steve martin yeah yeah what don't forget steve martin steve martin that guy steve martin yes like everybody in general has such a theatrical background but again it's like there's and nathan lane of course and did you did you get to work with nathan again i didn't no because oh. nathan nathan is in seasons one and two he he's not in season three and so i wasn't able to uh to to hang out with, oh. with good old un- uncle nathan oh poor guy well like yeah. being on set though i feel like it's got to be such a um a different experience or is it a different experience when you're on set with a bunch of actors who have professional Broadway, professional theater experience versus people who have only done TV and films. I feel like it's sort of a different mindset. Yeah, you know what? It, it It's not too far away from how it felt being on Smash. You know, like being on the set of Smash, there were tons of Broadway talent and veterans littered across that, that series. Um, 
but you know, I was young and I was like, I don't know. It was, it was overwhelming. It was such a huge budget show. It's DreamWorks Spielberg, you know, this is a, a different experience in the same way that like being on Broadway in my early twenties was a, a certain experience. But then coming back to the boards when I was 30 in SpongeBob was a, was a richer experience because I knew more and I had experienced more life and I knew how special that was um, to come back to Broadway. So same thing with being on this set that's just littered with Broadway legends. It's uh, just, you know, what I have to do is disassociate because if I think too hard about what's happening, I'll freak out, you know, and uh, I, I will lose my cool. You know, and you got to keep your cool when you're on set with these people. You can't, you can't be a super fan, which you know, I am a super fan of Uncle Marty Short. Um, <laughs> he told me to call him Uncle Marty, so so don't don't be mad. That's Uncle right. Marty is his name. Um, Uncle no, Marty, just just some comedy uncles. I cannot imagine what it was like on set, and uh, and of course Selena too. She's she's just phenomenal and yeah um god i i that is is an envious moment to be on a show like that where it's the the theatrical uh prowess of all the cast with the talent the acting talent in general on a show that is just so good right it's it's third season for a reason but you mentioned spongebob too and remember now your um ex-computer wife now is a oscar nominee oscar nominee god Stephanie Shu from SpongeBob. That's right. I cannot believe that. And it, it, again, five years ago, episode three, when we were talking, you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to do this writing thing. And I think I'm going to do this. And then like five years later now, you're doing all these amazing things. Five years later, your ex-wife has yeah. has an Oscar nomination. You're working with Meryl Streep. Yeah. Everything's going, going around. Like, can you imagine... Uh, I guess did you did you foresee this five years ago? Because well, first of all, I just want to say I'm so excited and happy and proud of Stephanie Shu, and I she deserves the world, and I'm so so thrilled for for what's happening for her. And and uh, but but second to your to your point about you know five years later, whatever you you said, um, I like the perspective that you give, which is that like oh my god, it, it was just yesterday that you were you know because to me it feels like forever you know like to me, <laughs> as the as the creative you know i've been working on this movie for three years you know and and that's the longest i've ever worked on one project without sharing that project you know so now it's finally ready to see the world and like you know our babies our babies being born you know we gotta let it go we gotta let her go off to college we gotta let her see the world and it's uh it it's such a strange feeling after working on something you know, so it's such a solitary experience. You know, me and Alex have been so like in dark editing rooms and so, you know, for years. Um, and so the fact that you're like, Oh my God, it's happening so quick to me. I'm like, Oh my God, it's been so long. Um, and, uh, the nature of development in general. I mean, we have two other films that we're trying to get made now. And and one of them we started writing in 2019, you know, and, mm-hmm. and here we are in 2023 and the film is still not made, but that's how, that that's what happens you know it takes a long time same with broadway it takes years and years and years if you want if you really believe in something for it to you know finally cross that finish line 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, some of the greatest shows, I mean, just the, I think about the journey of the prom, right? Still one of my Ooh. favorite shows on Broadway that took 10 years from inception yeah. to getting on, on the Broadway stage. Uh, SpongeBob uh, also took 10 years. Oh, right. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is odd to me because it's something, I guess something that is owned by a big network, I thought would have more of an oomph behind it. Because you have something like Frozen, the the Broadway musical, which was fast-tracked and made it, I think, in two. I don't know about that. I feel like it was more than two years that they were workshopping, like, untitled. Because the, the movie came out, uh, were they working I mean, on the- you're probably right. You probably know more than I do here, but... It, that's crazy if that's true because, you know, I mean, with, with SpongeBob, yeah, there was a big, you know, Nickelodeon behind it, but they don't want to rush it. They want to make sure it's it's done right, you know, and so they're going to take their time really throwing all the paint at the wall to see what it wants to be. Do you miss Plankton? Oh, of course. That was such a pure magical experience. I, I loved the character and I loved the show and I loved the cast and the director. And it was a really special time in my life. It was. And um, something else that we had talked about previously was, um, you know, you, you came out of, of high school and college. You were doing Shakespeare and, and, and immediately went into Rock of Ages because, yeah. you know, Shakespeare lends itself to rock. Yeah. Um, and and then Adam's family and and so but then like you had hit after hit after hit yeah I think you had three in a row and then depression because it all of a sudden just went away yeah I wasn't prepared for that yeah 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 and I I think um what, what you were just kind of alluded to a little while ago is when you came back to Spongebob that was like that was post um I guess growing up a little bit because you had, mm-hmm. you had told me originally you're like that was a lesson I had to learn, and yeah. so that's this is the reason why I brought up the the five years between then and now is because it had basically be, been five years between the hits and then when we were talking then and so now it's this about the same amount of time so like now it sounds like because you've been working the entire time and you've been writing um, mm-hmm. and taking yourself seriously. Uh, as a writer, which you said you were just starting to do back then, that um, maybe you didn't have the down in 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 the middle between the last time we did an episode and now. I mean, I've been I've been writing since I was I was younger, but I, I like you said, it was it was hard for me to take my serious myself seriously until a I got paid for it, uh, and and that was like second half of my twenties. Like, oh, maybe I should take this more seriously because I'm now getting paid for it. Um, and I should, you know, maybe I should do this every day. Like I've been practicing this other part of, of me. Um, let's, let's maybe get up every day and treat this like it, but it's really hard when you're alone, uh, and self-motivating. And I have to say like finding Alex and I've had other writing partners in the past that, that I've loved working with. But when I found Alex and we sort of started collaborating on indoor boys and finding our voice together as writers, it was like a marriage. It was like a finally finding my other half in terms of creativity hmm. and sharing the same voice. And, and it led to an accountability that was sort of unparalleled in my life of, you know, not having to only self-motivate, but having someone else, you know, pick up that slack. If you wake up and you're not feeling like you're firing off all on all your c- cylinders and, and you're not totally the best writer that day, they're going to pick up your slack and then you're going to pick up their slack the next day. Or, you know, having your certain strengths that complement each other's weaknesses, 
but then like through time they kind of meld together and like you picked up a lot of his strengths and he picked up a lot of yours and being able to share a screen on zoom and write jokes in front of each other's face and fail and still know that the other person isn't going to run away because there's a trust that has built over the span of a handful of years where now I know that Alex knows I'm not my worst joke. So I can <laughs> fail. I can fail freely in front of him and still have confidence that, that this is, you know, he's not going anywhere and vice versa. So I think it's a really powerful thing. I think that's a really powerful motto is I'm not as bad as my worst joke. Right. <laughs> because yeah. I would be really bad if that, if I lived by that's, that. I mean, we all would. So I'd, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I'm Alex a walking really dad changed. joke anyway. Sure. Well, I love a dad joke. You're, you're welcome with me. You're safe with me. <laughs> my kids love it too. They always love yeah, that. There stuff. you go. Um, yeah, that that's uh, that's so cool. Um, did you ever have you ever thought about going back to Billy Green? <laughs> uh, I mean, sure, sure. There was a time when I started developing a half hour when I was living in LA, centered around Billy Green. Uh, but then we started into our voice, and I just sort of uh, let that die. I love Billy Green. For so, if you don't know what Billy Green is, it's uh, it was a little limited. What was it? it was YouTube, right? It's like early, yeah, YouTube, early, early, early YouTube, where you were just like the epitome of the worst auditioner ever. Everything yes. you do wrong in an audition, Billy Green did wrong. That's right. And I, I and love just that. annoyed everyone in his path. It's that YouTube series is just every cameo is a Broadway star, and like, you know, like they're all. I don't know. I mean, that was the beginning of, of me getting in a long contract on Broadway and being like, okay, I've done the same show for a month now. What's, in, you know, I'm stuck in this thing. And it's such a, you know, I realize how lucky it is to be stuck in a hit. But right. creatively, I started getting stifled. You know, I started feeling like, what do I, you know, how can I keep myself inspired and interested and curious? And, and so, you know, making backstage content uh, with the Rock of Ages kids was like the beginning of, of that that bug, that scratch I needed to itch. And then uh, and then I couldn't stop. And then I was making, you know, sort of narrative web series um, and, and, and learning how to hold a camera and learning how to like, you know, edit and create a through line and, you know, failing a lot, but learning a lot. And uh Billy Green turned into It Could Be Worse and It Could Be Worse turned into Indoor Boys and Indoor Boys turned into Now We're Making Movies. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Learning it? learning publicly, too. Learning and <laughs> putting it all up there. It Could Be Worse, uh, that was the first thing that you sold, right? That was that turning point yeah. when you're like, yeah, I can do this for real. I can write for yeah. real. Yeah, we got it up on Hulu for a two-year contract and that was really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, what, gosh. How do you, how do you even start with that, like if you were going to say, all right, aspiring young writers out there I, who have a great story. I mean, it, it seems like it's all about who you know. It seems like it's all about where you are at the right time from the outside. So when, like, where do you even get the meeting where you're like, I'm going to pitch this to Hulu? Basically, I feel like I had, um, I was a little lucky because I was on Broadway when I started doing this stuff. And so there was a fan base who were 
attuned to the content. You know, they were watch, they were waiting for content that had to do with the cast of the show that they loved. And then that content became sillier and more specific. And so they started becoming fans of the content. And then you create a larger audience online. But really, I did wear a producer hat in my early 20s and have the cognizance to be like, well, I won't get any eyeballs on this unless I have someone fancy in it, you know, which is, you know, <laughs> it's not, I, it's not wrong. It's cheap, but it's like something that I identified early on that like in order for traffic to come, I need them to be interested in. So, you know, a lot of young people are like, let the work speak for itself. Well, sure. But you also need to get them there first. Um, so I would be calling in a lot of fancy favors with people I was working with and creating this fan base that was growing and then uh, just continually asking favors. You know, the thing about established famous people um, working for you on a very small scale is give them something enticing to do, like give them a fun person to play with that they want to work with or give them, I don't know, like there are ways that you can strategically acquire what you need to acquire if that doesn't sound completely gross. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> a little bit. That actually reminded me of your character in Rolling Calls. The yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you're, you're... Yeah. Really I'm calls. just at the end of the day, just a dirty producer who's just cheating. Every no, no, no. Um, no, no I don't no. know. It's about developing relationships and friendships and uh, paying it forward too. That's something. Is whenever anyone asks me to do their um, podcast, interview, web series, sketch comedy, whatever, I most of the time say yes if I can, if I'm available, because I'm constantly asking people to do things for me. That's the same thing with like feedback on scripts. Like I am always needing people to give me criticism and that's not fun for people to do is yeah. to sit down for two hours and focus on your work. No one cares about your baby more than you do, you know, and you have to like convince people to care, to help, to give feedback. And because of that, whenever someone sends me a script, I really try, I mean, within the week to carve out a couple hours to give them good feedback, you wow. know? So I would, oh, just quick. I mentioned Rolling Calls. Everyone go check out yeah. Rolling Calls also here on the Broadway Podcast Network. Rolling Calls is a radio comedy that you star in and it's just great. Very funny. Very funny. It's a very funny show. I enjoyed doing that a lot. Yeah, that was great. Bum, 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 bum. Commercial break. And now we're back. All right. So three closing questions. Yes. Remember, I don't know if you remember your previous answers. I wrote them down. So we're going to be able oh to, to compare and contrast, but I'll oh ask you the same God. questions and see how they changed. So the first one, now what motivates you? Hmm. What motivates me? I mean, at the end of the day, the same thing motivates me as when I was a child, which is like laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I don't get drunk off the sound of someone laughing at a joke I wrote. Like, it's just the best feeling in the world. You, yeah, um, yeah, you said that. You already said that in the in episode three and other great works of art. 
that motivate you? Watching other people's great works. Oh, sure. Well, that was a more pure answer, actually. <laughs> more artistic answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So the next question. Now, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Mm. Try not to get the job in the audition. Like getting like focusing on booking the job is not what you should focus on in your audition. It should be the opportunity to show off. Seize the opportunity to act because you won't be doing it very much when you first come to the city, you're, you'll be more of a professional auditioner and you will be auditioning a lot. And it's hard not to try to play casting director and like, what is it that they want exactly? And how can I check off everything that they want? It's impossible. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's just much more productive to treat those auditions as an opportunity to show off your talent and to act and to make fans of whoever is behind the, the table um, instead of booking that specific job. Yeah, I think it was... that is a very valuable thing that I could have used more as a kid, as a you know young person. It was actually Michael Yuri who the answer to this question, he said, be the person that you that others want to work with the next time. Mm. And it that's great. Your answer just reminded me of that too. Yeah. So it's not about getting that role. It's about showing that you have talent. And then so many people have had callbacks after an audition for a different role because they can see that you're not right for that role, but because you're nice and they want to work with you, they'll give you something else or they'll write you something. Or, you know, a year later they're doing another show and you're right for that certain character. That's happened like more times than you would think. Yeah. So the uh, first time I asked you this question, you said, stop taking yourself so seriously. Don't quit piano and save money. Oh. <laughs> Again, all three great, great things that I should, I should have. T- <laughs> Amazing. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with those. Yes. With also, those also good well. advice. Um, yes. Okay. So the last question, if you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want. What would you see? Oh, wow. Huh. Okay, well, I think Cabaret is a masterpiece, and I will always enjoy that, no matter what. Um, but I just, there's so many shows. That's such a I wouldn't, that would be sad to only see that one forever. Well, you did but say Cabaret the first time. I did? Yeah. There you go. There you there go. There you go. There you go. That's the same. That's absolutely the same. All right. So, everyone, Assistant. please go see Summoning Sylvia. Uh, find it online wherever you rent your movies. And how else can we find you on the social medias these days? I am back on Instagram, Sir West Tay Tay. <laughs> Demand respect on Instagram. Sir, give me the respect I deserve. <laughs> Uh, not that guy, West Tate. No. Sir West Tate, you're not on TikTok. I thought I saw you on TikTok. No, no, no. Good no, for no, you. No. Good for you. It's gonna get banned no. anyway. There you go. Maybe. Who knows? No, um, leave it to the kids. <laughs> All right, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I am on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. Uh, so you can connect with me. Um, leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. Music you're hearing now is from Jukebox the Ghost. Conversation was from Wesley Taylor. Thanks, Wes. This has been so Thanks, fun. Alan. And then we got to do it again 
in less than five years from now because you're gonna you get, when you win all of your oscars for all of your things we'll have you back yes <laughs> yes you heard it here first take a deep breath make the world a little colorful Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.